It's good to see the uh, youth element of the church up the front. I think it's good for our spirits, particularly on a Wednesday night. You know, preaching here on a Wednesday night is legendary for its difficulty. So, <laughs> uh, 2 Kings chapter number 13, everyone who preaches here on a Wednesday night says that. Uh, you know, not in any demeaning way, it's just the normal result of having a busy week and you know, being out on a Wednesday night and people are often, uh, let's say the energy level is not always quite there. Uh, but actually, many of you seem to be singing tonight and uh, enjoying the first part of the service. God bless you, you should do that. Second uh, Kings chapter 13, I want to read from verse number 14 uh, to 19 and then really just give a devotional before the uh, prayer time tonight. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse number 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bows and arrows And he took unto him bows and arrows, and he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou hast consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows, and he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground, and he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him, and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times, then thou hast then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. Okay, so uh, this is in the word of God. And uh, like uh, everything that God has put in the word of God, it's here for a reason. Uh, We're not told everything about everybody. We, We don't know all the things of prophets and kings' lives, but we know select things. And what we do know are the things that God determined that we should know and, uh, and wanted to teach us something from those things. And I often think if we dwelt more, just a little bit more on the, this, the words and why God puts things in the Bible, it would help us to be a little more balanced in our understanding of things. So verse number 14 uh, opens with the statement, Uh, Now, Elisha was fallen sick uh, of his sickness, whereof he died. There's a whole lot of doctrine in that phrase. And uh, and the doctrine of that phrase tells us numbers of things. First of all, it answers the question about uh, when people say that uh, when we received our, uh, our victory at the cross, it also delivered us from all sickness. And there are people who preach that to, to this very day. Some are very popular. And, of course, now with uh, social media and TV mediums, they're often on there. And they're saying that, uh, you know, God never wants you to be sick. 
and that part of your package in Christ is that you should never be sick. And yet you read a verse like this and, and God didn't need to tell us this. He didn't need to tell us. We don't, we don't know how everybody else died. We know some, but we, mostly we don't know. But what God wanted us to know was he was somebody special who had the anointing of God upon him. The Holy Spirit rested on this man. Uh, he had a good walk with God. He was in communion with God. He was uh, used to do miraculous things for God, things that were supernatural by the working of God, and yet he's just sick. So, so clearly he couldn't or didn't deliver himself from his own sickness. And it wasn't just sickness like he had a cold. It was whatever it was, it resulted uh, in his death. And so God wanted to put that in the Bible. And I think that, that just answers a lot of things right there and then. I, I think if somebody says to you, well, you, you're only sick because you don't have enough faith. Well, you look at you say, well, hang on. He was somebody who seemed to have a large amount of faith. And yet God purposed to tell us the manner in which he died. And God said, well, I, you know, I'd have you to know he was sick. So, you know, it, it, that just doesn't seem to add up. Uh, and uh, so it tells us that. It also tells us this, that uh, it's not given to anybody, even though we're saved. And look, salvation has delivered to you enormous blessings, benefits, and much is to come. Uh, uh, heaven is wonderful. And uh, heaven, heaven, will be, heaven will be just thousands of times more wonderful than the most wonderful thing you ever saw here on earth. So, so pick whatever was just, you know, astounding and beautiful and, and uh, awe-inspiring to you, whatever that is that you saw here, and just realise that, well, the same God who who uh, is in heaven and designed heaven, designed this. And really all we're doing is just getting a little glimpse of what God is like. And heaven is just going to be wonderful. I was watching something the other day on the Great Barrier Reef. And, uh, you know, if you've seen documentaries on the reef, there's lots of, lots of amazing colours, not just in fish, but nudibranchs and, and uh, anemones and all kinds of things. There's an extraordinary... And if you look close, the design, the colour, the richness of it, the, the harmony of it, the way it all works together, there's even order in the beauty. And, and I looked at that and I thought, it just dawned on me, heaven will be colourful. You know, because I think I was thinking heaven in, I don't know, sh uh, you know, tones of fog or something, I'm not sure. But, but heaven will be colourful. And uh, so how do you know heaven will be colourful? Well... Some of the things mentioned there are colourful and shiny and astounding, but also I see it in what God made down here. I see that the God who designed that the reef and all those fish and, and there's some beautiful birds and all of those things, and you, you look at that and you realise, well, this was the handiwork of God who got to decide how all that will be. So, I mean, heaven will be wonderful. That's one of the, the benefits that God has delivered unto us. And every child of God who gets to heaven... The one who has the least in heaven will have more than the person who has the most here on earth. Uh, I was uh, away last week. I came across the radio that old man, you probably won't know of him or maybe, maybe some, of, some of you, but his name was Jack Absalom. He was a painter. 
and, uh, and a Bushman, uh, an Australian Aussie, sort of a bit of an icon, but, you know, if you didn't know him, he was 90 and he had his era, but, but very well known amongst a lot of older Australians. And, and uh, he died just uh, last week at age 90. And, uh, and you know, and, I, and he just loved nature. And I was listening to some of his earlier radio interviews and he was a, he was a painter of some renown, uh, you know, as well in his later years. And uh, listening to him talk, he was a bushy, you know, an old Aussie and, and he wrote a book on outback safety and all of that. And, and, he, and people said, what do you believe? And he said, I believe in nature. He said, I just believe in nature. And he said, you know, long after we're gone and the squabbles, nature, nature will be, will be there. And he's had canyons named after him and all of that kind of thing in the outback. And I thought, look, I, I, I don't doubt the richness of all that he saw in his life here on earth. But anybody without Christ, it comes to a dark, dead end. And you've got to understand that everything you're seeing here on earth is of God. Every good gift cometh down from the Father above. And you're seeing the goodness of God here, even in a strained, uh, degenerated state. But all the good things you see here originated from God, from God's goodness. But, but if you leave here without Christ, you're not seeing any more. You're not even going to see what earth has to offer. You, you don't understand? It's an end. It's a dark tormenting, uh, you know, do I need to go through all the adjectives of what it is without God? But what I'm saying is you'll have nothing more than when, when you left here, when you breathed your last breath, whatever you saw down here, that was the best it was ever going to get for the rest of your eternity. But not us, and not because we're special, but unto all who are in Christ. Heaven will be beautiful, and, uh, and it will be wonderful. And nobody in heaven... Uh, is sad or is not, is not joyful, is not overwhelmed by the goodness of God's presence and, and all the things that God made. There's creatures in heaven. There's a lot of creatures on earth I haven't seen and they'll appear on a documentary. I'll think, oh, I, I didn't even know what that thing was. And I'll look and they say that vast areas of the oceans have never been explored. And I'm sure there's many more creatures there. But all of these things are made of God. But what will heaven be like? And uh, heaven has been delivered under the child of God. So that's a promise that, that uh, we should meditate on perhaps a little more just to encourage us of, of the good things that are coming to us that uh, have been given to us in Christ. And uh, so we, you know, salvation delivered to you, heaven. Of course, salvation has given us our relationship with God that remains a mystery to those who don't know God. They try to explain what we have the best they see it but they don't understand it, do they? They think you're religious or maybe today you're a, you just lean to the right of the political spectrum and you're just a conservative or, or maybe you've just been overwhelmed by the traditions of your parents and your grandparents. And I heard a young lady talking again last week on the radio, a country girl, and uh, she was talking about why she's not going back to her little country town and she said, when I went to university and got out of my town and got away from the traditions and the, and the expectations of our town, I found out that there were, there were lots of identities uh, out there. And she was talking about discovering in university that there were lots of options and identities was the word she used and, and how she was never going to go back to her town. And, 
And, uh, you know, they, they, when, you, when you say, well, I don't really share that view, yeah, but you're caught up in the tradition. You're not enlightened. You, you, you know, you need to go to university again or something and, and uh, you must be backward if you think that way. Uh, no, no, I know you don't understand it, but we have a relationship with the living God and he speaks to us and he shows us things in his word. And the Holy Spirit, God himself, dwells within us. And my values are not shaped by my preferences, but my values are shaped by what God has said to be so. And salvation delivers all those things unto us and much more. But listen, what salvation is not going to deliver you from is certain things that you have to go through as part of life on earth or as Ecclesiastes describes it, life under the sun. And one of those things that likely will come to you, it's probably come to you already at some level, is sickness. And sickness. And, and so, you know, we, we understand if, if Elisha wasn't given a pass to get out of that, then we understand very likely we're not going to escape that either. Now, I know you can make it worse by some things you do to yourself. There's no doubt lifestyle, lack of exercise, diet, many things have... You know, we bring a lot of things on ourselves. But, but even the best living person, you're going to die of likely a sickness of some kind, a degeneration of the body. And we don't get a pass from that. So as Christians, understanding, well, look, I've got a journey through life as well. You know, what will I, I've got, I'll probably have to face sickness or it's going to come in our family. You may have faced it already. Uh, decline, you know, I'm not getting better and better and better. As I, go. I might be getting a little wiser, I hope so, uh, maybe, but, uh, but, but we're deteriorating. You know, we don't, we don't, we're not evolving to become ever stronger. We're slowing, aren't we, as we get older. And, and if you're older, the signs of age start to appear and, and you realise that, uh, you know, things aren't as, they, as perhaps they were before. So during even a time like that, what should we do? What we have to do? like Elisha did during his sickness here, we have to discover that God is able to give grace and provide us with wisdom to, to chart our way through those times. And God, we will find that God is able to give grace that is sufficient for us in every stage of life. And so the, the grace that God gave us when we were young and the grace that we received as we embarked on a family life, uh, grace will not fail us even in our latter years. God, God will be with you uh, in your elder years uh, as much as he's with you in your younger years. There is no failing of God. Uh, there's no surprises to God. God has attached himself to your journey uh, all the way through. And uh, he's going to be beside you uh, through all of these things. But you don't get a, you don't get a, a, you know, a, a pass to avoid sickness. If Elisha had a period when he was sick and it was in the fact the end, the thing that killed him, that's how most people will leave earth. And, but God will give grace and God will be there for you. And, and uh, I, I found this and I apologised if you're a little bit you know, if you're younger tonight, I, 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 I don't want to be bypassing you, but at least in this statement, I really do feel that we hear very little preaching that prepares us 
for old age. Uh, we hear very little preaching that instructs us about the challenges that come to us as we get older. And, uh, and I've reflected on this, even though you know, I have a lot of friends who are preachers, people you'd know and others, and, and, uh, and I've, we've talked about it often together. There really hasn't been anyone, it's very rare to have someone ahead uh, who will talk to you about uh, the journey as it's ahead. And I think maybe part of that is that in our culture, we, do, we, we don't esteem the latter years like other cultures do. So, so in Thailand, if you're older, you're more highly esteemed than if you're younger and other cultures as well. So you would be respected more. You'll be listened to more. Younger people will pay you respect and, and that will be very important to that culture that that is there. And so as you get older, you're not trying to... What, what I find in Thailand, nobody when they have a birthday, this joke doesn't work. All right, someone has a birthday, you say, oh, you're 21 again. <laughs> okay, it doesn't work there. And the reason it doesn't work is they just look at you really strangely, like nobody there is trying to bring their age down. If, if they lie about their age, they say they're older. It goes the other way. So, th- so our, isn't, isn't that insightful? So our culture makes jokes all the time about, oh, I'm 21 again or, you know, whatever. Uh, over there, they're trying to put their age up. Because they know older is more authority, more esteemed, uh, more looked to. But, you know, in Western culture, sadly, uh, that, that is, you know, mostly not the case. Uh, and people are trying to reverse their age. And, and there's a danger to that, by the way. Uh, there's a danger into buying into this thing of trying to make myself younger and I'm not saying, look, you, you know, you can look your best and, and whatever. I, I'm sure you don't realise I've had several facelifts. You can, um, you can do all of that if you, you know, not that, but I mean, whatever you feel. But really be careful it doesn't capture your heart because the danger is you'll go into denial about ageing and you'll start to see ageing as, as this awful demon that's stalking you in your life that you're trying to cast off instead of recognizing it as a season that 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 has you know fruit and has benefits and challenges but a season God is with so Elijah had to deal with these things and I I just you know like to notice that and realize that by the way it, it, it what I what I know this wasn't a heart attack where he died an hour later whatever sickness he had he had it for a period of time, enough time that people knew he was sick and were able to come to him and see him. So whatever it was, it was it'd been there and people knew and, you know, and so we can get a picture of how that might have played out. And uh, he had to go through that. Now, uh, the, 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 the main thought, the one, two, three, four, the main thought of the message was just this, or the devotion tonight is this, uh, what, what, what should you do when you come to a season in life where you are not at your strongest? You're not at your best. I don't want to say you're not at your best. I want to say you, you're not at your strongest. And, and this will come, this can be, this doesn't have to be age. So young people, now you can whoop, tune back in again. There can be a season of you're just going through something where you feel weakened. You don't feel 
strong. Now, you might be mentally weakened. You're going through something and it's just, you know, it's weighing really heavily. It's worn you down. It might be something that's taken place over years or a couple of years or... And just simply, you know, I'm really... I'm not, at the, I'm, not this, I'm not at the same level of strength that I was before. I just know I'm not, I don't have the same energy. I don't, I don't have the same, you know, drive. I can feel this has affected me. And so, you know, those seasons can come uh, just through events, but certainly as you get older or if you get sick, you go into a season of this, you know. And, and we understand that if you're not well, you're probably not feeling your strongest. If you're, you know, uh, look, mental uh, unwellness can sap your physical energy. Uh, Many of us know that. And so here he was. He wasn't at his best. What should you do when you find yourself in a season where you're not, you're just not as strong or the events that are taking place are really sapping you of a lot of energy, a lot of strength, uh, and what, how should you respond to that? And the, and the devotion is, number one, uh, stay in your place, is to stay in your place. And Elijah was sick of the sickness whereof he died, but people knew where to find him. They knew where he was. And where was he? He was where he always was. So even though he was not well, and even though he was not the same physically as he was at other times, he, he held on to his place. He stayed, he stayed in his place. I, I live streamed here, not this Sunday, the Sunday before, the morning at least, uh, we were away and uh, I, uh, I live streamed and as I was watching the live streaming, I was seeing, you know, uh, different people, I won't name them all, but some doing different things in the church and I commented to my family just how much it meant to me it was just a sharing with my family to see different people in the church that have just been here a long time and they've just and they're people that you would just say this you know they're always in their place and that mightn't seem much but I find it means a great deal to me It provides me with a framework to build my life around. Uh, Those people are just important structures in 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 my life. Just seeing them there, just knowing they're there. I I don't know if you felt, I I felt a twinge of sadness about Sylvester leaving on Sunday, you know, after 17 years. And uh, and, and I, I, I felt that, and I think I'd feel it with many of you as well. It was, and it's not that I, you know, I'm glad when God leads people into whatever they're supposed to do. And he and I chatted, you know, Sunday afternoon. Uh, but I felt a certain sadness with that. I always feel a sadness when someone who's always in their place is no longer there. And, uh, and I think when that happens, we should ask ourselves, why? Why do I feel that way? Why? What? And, and what you realise is actually... Those people have had a bigger impact on my life than probably they know. And what I'm feeling is that they've been part of the framework of this journey of life that God put me in. They were part of it. And having them no longer in their place, it, it affects me. That's probably, I don't know if that sounds a bit abstract, but that, it, I, I just find that there's something about 
just seeing people in their place and being faithful. And, uh, and often I don't think you realise uh, that you impact others more than you understand you do. Uh, I think a lot of people just feel like, you know, Glenda, you're one. I mean, others. I think other, some people can just feel like, well, well, who am I? You know, what, what, what am I? I'm not, you know, I'm not up the front and I'm just, you know, I'm in my place. Yeah, but, you know, you're just, your stability and, and you point, you share, you, you, you encourage consistency and uh, you're part of what makes the gathering the gathering. You know, it's really important when people are in their place. And I hope you would understand that. So, so as you go through one of these seasons, you know, just, just be, be in your place to the best you can. Um, my wife told me on Sunday that uh, Gilbert and um, Margaret were not able to be out as much anymore. And uh, we talked about that and talked about, you know, uh, a, a visit and some things that we, we thought we should do. But... Um, you know, they're just always in their place. And, you know, Gilbert particularly is always for long, long years. And may I say, with declining health, you know, with, with, with failing health, when you, 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 you understand when you see someone, you know, get up and struggle to get out the door and make their way to the car. And there have been others here like that and some are in heaven now. But I just want to say there's something commendable about that. There's something that should be noticed, we ought to say, look, that's a, that's a good example for me. That's a, that's a good model that someone is just, you know, Debbie Bird, how often is she sick but in her place, you know, in her place. And there are many others. And just, just when you're in a season where maybe you're not at your best, I don't know if you ever wake up and feel like just not being in church. Now, I'm preaching tonight, but those feelings come to me. There are times that I struggle. I, I have a struggle between what I know I should do and what I feel like doing. What my, what, what's, that's just truthful. Now, most of us, if you're, if you're mature or if you, 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 know, you try to not be feelings-led, uh, but there's something about just being faithful, being in your place. Uh, Elijah, everybody knew where he was. Meaning, you know, yeah, he was sick. He wasn't the same as he was a decade ago. You know, he'd clearly, you know, worn down somewhat over the years, I'm sure. Uh, but he was, in, he was in his place. You know, if everyone leaves the farm, do you know what happens when everyone leaves the farm? When everyone finally leaves the farm, it all, everything stops. So you, you can have a, most farms, most farms are not run by just one or two people. Most farms are a collective of family or, or, you know, others who work together. Very few farms are just one or two people, you know, some, but they always, there's people, they, they, it's mostly a team operation at, at many levels. But when everybody leaves the farm, what happens eventually is there's no more, there's no more planting. It stops. Um, there's no more bringing in a harvest because nobody planted anymore. Nobody, nobody went out to the field anymore and put the seeds in and drove the tractors and, you know, watered the crops and fixed the fences and, you know, did all that you have to do to keep a farm operational so that there's a, there's a yield, the, the fruit comes in at some point through the year. 
when everybody just sort of leaves the farm, you end up with just, you know, a patch of ground that eventually the world just reclaims, doesn't it? It just, you, you give it long enough and you wouldn't know there was even a farm there. And I think we've got to look at the church a bit that way and look at the things we're involved in that way. You know, you, uh, if everybody just left the farm, what, what would happen? What would have happened if the prodigal son who got spoken to by God and, you know, he was, he was feeding the pigs and he said, uh, you know, this is, what am I doing? But even my father's servants have more than this to eat. Uh, I will go back to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Let me become as one of the hired servants. And what if he'd planned all that out and he'd got himself right and, and he'd learned a powerful lesson about life, himself, his mistakes, and God had spoken to him and he, and he started to make the journey back. And what would happen if he got back home and dad wasn't there anymore and nobody was there? What, 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 the, our story then stops. You know, because the father of the prodigal went through his hurts as well, wouldn't he have? Who hasn't been hurt by, uh, or, uh, hurt by children who have made some decisions that uh, were destructive to them perhaps, but also their parents felt very anguished about the directions they were taking, the steps they were and, and who knows that your children can have the ability to hurt you more than about anybody else uh, because we love our children with a really unique, wonderful love and the more we love, the more capacity is there to, to bless but also to wound. And what if the father had said, oh, look, what kind of dad must I have been? You know, that, that my boy decided to throw it all in. Uh, you know, I must, I must have really failed as an example, as a father. Uh, I, mustn't have been a, I mustn't have been good in the home. That he just decided that life in the world was better than being with us and walking with God. And what if the father had tormented and gone through all of that and said, you know, what's the point of going on anymore? Better I just, better I just go. And then the boy would come back and there's nobody there and there's nothing to come back to. And I'm saying that being in your place can be important for lots of reasons. Uh, I'd hate to ever think of a day where there was no good shepherd. Whatever else happens out there, and I rejoice in everything, every good thing happening in every place that preaches the gospel, I praise God for and I'm glad for. And I have nothing negative to say about that. It's, it's good. There are others who serve the Lord. But I'd hate to see a day where, where there was no one at the farm. Wouldn't that be awful? I'd hate to see a day where, where it just wasn't even available. So, you know, being in our place is important. Uh, number two uh, and I'll, is don't shut people out because you feel like you haven't got the same amount to give as you did before. So don't, don't, don't lock people out of your life because of what you're going through. You feel that, you know, I don't have to give what I used to have. So I'm going to start to withdraw myself from people. And you notice again, he didn't do that. He was available 
for people to come to him. You know, uh, God often uses people to do fairly amazing things when they think their race is about done. Um, you know, history is filled with that, our own uh, church history. I remember coming here, uh, I don't know how old Pastor Blake was when I came here as a visitor, but, uh, you know, he, was, it's, he had had decades of service of God way before I ever met him, decades, uh, had served God and you would think was, was at an age of, well, he must be going to retire, but not at all. There were many things uh, still uh, awaiting him and, and others. And sometimes people can think, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'm at an end. Well, maybe you're not. Maybe actually uh, God still has great things for you to do. You're still very important to the work of God. There's a danger to feeling, you know, uh, I'm just not up to it. There's a danger in feeling this, and I've, I've, I've talked with pastors who feel this, you know, I'm just over it. I'm just over it. And when you, when you let those things take hold in your life, the next response is you start pulling back. You start withdrawing from people and from... Uh, you, you can miss what God is trying to do with you because you've concluded that, oh, I've, you know, my, 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 my good days were another time, but that's all gone now and I'm just over it and I'm not up to it. And we've got to be careful with that. You know what was said of Samson... And I hope your end is not like his. But it said, so the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. And that doesn't mean a lot to you. But that was a reflection on his call, meaning he did a great thing in what he was supposed to do at the end, even more than what he'd done through his life. So what I'm saying is you may not be over. And be careful that you don't shut the door Here's what happens. When you get tired, when you get fatigued, when you're unwell, when your energy level is down, uh, you can start to just feel like, okay, I don't have any room in my life now for any, new, any more new people. I'm not up to it. And anything now that might stretch me, I'm not up to it. And what you do, you start shutting down. You start putting up uh, these barriers to anything new coming in. All right. The danger is God can be trying to bring something to you that is going to be greatly beneficial to you as well as you being beneficial to them. It can be a person. But because you've already put this sort of psychological wall up, you don't want to, re- you, you just, I'm over it. You know, I know I don't want to, I don't, I'm not going to meet anyone else. I'm not going to do anything else. And you can miss actually what God is trying to do for you. All right, so don't shut people out. Number three, uh, stay mindful of the need that continues to be around. The whole idea of him opening the window in verse 17 eastward was that east was from where he was. East was the direction of where the Syrians had begun to take property from Israel. They were invading. So it tells you that Elisha was fully aware of the need of the day. Elisha was not disengaged about what was going on, where the problem was. 
uh, where God, where they wanted God to work, he was still fully engaged in what was happening. The mission was still on Elisha's mind. And, you know, you may have a season of life where your energy is not, or, or your ability is not perhaps what it was in another season, but you should stay engaged in your mind with the need, the mission, what it's about, what, what we still need to do, and, uh, and, and, and be in touch. And it's important also because Elisha was about to go, but he was trying to put something in place here that would help those who were going to remain. And uh, that's a good way to think. And then lastly, number four, finishing, uh, is to stir up faith in those who must continue after you even when you're gone. To use your time, okay, maybe you're not at your best, whatever season, but to let God use you to stir up faith in others. Uh, by, by, now, he, here's what he did. And you've got to understand, this was a dark time. So you have to understand, if, you know, if you're living when they're living, you might be feeling like we're feeling, like, oh, my country's changing. Uh, everything that once was is disappearing. Uh, it looks really gloomy, the outlook. You know, it looks like nothing, nothing's going to get better. So they're in a time where they are, they're, they're way overcome by an, uh, a superior army that has already started off by just raiding their villages, taking people away. Remember the, the girl who got, the young maid who got taken? She was caught up in this. Uh, so they did that. Now they were taking territory from them in the east. So what I'm saying is if you lived in the day, now it's just a story, but if you lived in the day, it was looking really gloomy. It was like, what's going to happen to us? And maybe we're going to lose the house and everything. And, you know, it was looking really dark. And it's often in the dark times that God brings prophets along. Very rarely does a prophet come along in a great scene of light. They normally get called to their moment when it's already dark. And so, so, you know, there was a lot of, shall we say, negativity there. And yet, that is not, it's not the tone of what Elisha says. It's not based on negatives. You know what he says in verse 17? Uh, he talks about what God can do. He talks about what God can do. And we have to, we have to be careful our rhetoric and our talk is not just about how bad it is, uh, there's, you know, I, and I, I can get this way, uh, push me a little bit and I'll start. But, um, you know, I can start talking about the country and how bad it all is. But, but, but what he said was the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. So what Elisha said, you know, we can talk about, we can talk about how grim it looks or we can talk about what God can still do. And he chose to talk about what God was still able to do. And he chose to, to try to stir up the faith of those who would follow after him. And that was the idea of bang the arrows and, you know, shoot the arrow out the window. It was to stir up, you know, belief and faith in what God could do and what God would do. And I want to conclude tonight by saying that, look, uh, there are, you know, challenges and that probably is understating it uh, in the nation and in the world. Uh, but opportunities for victories remain. We, we are not at the place where there's just no winning anymore. That's not true. I don't think we're going to turn the, the global tide of evil around. The Holy Spirit is restraining that. And when it gets truly bad, it's going to take us all out. 
but opportunities for victories remain. And, uh, and we can still have victories. We can have victories. People uh, are still being won to Christ. Uh, people I know are still being won to Christ. Uh, people that my family are connected with are still being won to Christ. These are not old stories. I'm talking last week, two weeks before that. Opportunities for victory remain. And uh, we have to, to tell people and tell our young people particularly you know, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. God is able. You know, pick up the bow, pull, pull the bow and, and aim high Amen. because God is still able to, to do victories, to work wondrous things. And as, you know, seasonally, we should not lose that. We need to be passing it on, uh, encouraging others to step out by faith and believe in all that God can do. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Thank you for listening. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that it's a timely word and always has what we need to hear. Uh, We ask you to bless these truths and maybe things beyond that that you said to our hearts. May we retain it. We pray that we would be faithful and uh, believing uh, in season and out of season, uh, preaching, declaring you. Pray you'd strengthen those here at the church. Pray for our pastor. We pray you would strengthen him and bless him and bless his family and watch over him. And we ask you now to help us, lead us in our prayers, not just tonight, but tomorrow and the days to come. And uh, Lord, we, we, we look to heaven. We know that soon Lord, the trumpet will sound and soon you will come and you will catch us away. And Lord, we say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.